You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. And we're going to talk about prayer this morning because prayer is important in order to build confidence in God. And I want you to know this morning that you don't need to work so hard to earn God's love. That you don't need to wonder if God still loves you when you screw up. You don't need to fear being left alone and fending for yourself because God will never forsake you. And prayer will help build confidence that God is trustworthy. And as we've studied the Sermon on the Mount in this series that we call Making Jesus Known by Living Like Him, we've identified the essence of the kingdom of Christ, which is to be like Christ himself, that same kind of humility, that same kind of servant spirit, that same kind of righteousness. But here's the thing, you can't do that on your own. So you need to ask, you need to pray, and prayer will empower you to steadfastly follow Christ in his kingdom. So this morning I want you to see that living in this kingdom that Jesus has inaugurated means that you will pursue him with a heartfelt and passionate, wholehearted, but more importantly, a prayerful way so that you can become a disciple in his kingdom kingdom. So we're going to go back to the Sermon on the Mount this morning. If you have a Bible or a phone or a tablet, why don't you open to Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7. If not, you can just follow along on the screen. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7. And in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us what to pray for and how to pray for it so that we might grow in faith and be effective disciples as we navigate through this world. So we begin in verse 7, a very simple verse. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And so what this verse is telling us is that there is a kind of a doorway through which you can access new and life-changing power. But it shouldn't be seen as an overarching promise that everything you want, you're going to get. But what it is, it's a promise that if your will aligns with God's will, that he will say yes every time. And so here's the first point I want to make for you this morning. As we learn about prayer in his kingdom, that is, God is pleased when you pray for the right thing. God is pleased when our will is lined up with his will. And sometimes it's hard to know exactly what to pray for or how to pray or what the, the right thing really is. But in this particular context, the Lord is asking you to pray for kingdom-mindedness, for Christ-likeness, so that you can begin to value the same things that He values. And this is all born of that transformation that happens after we become believers. We, after we trust Jesus with our salvation, we begin to grow and we, we are transformed and we begin to align our will with his will. And that's really what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. The Sermon on the Mount is about discipleship. It's about kingdom values. And even through the ups and downs of life, your connection to Christ will help others see that you are different, that you have a discipleship mentality and that you're living in this other kingdom. And the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying is really a policy manual or a roadmap regarding how to live in the kingdom of God. 
But the righteousness that's required, and this is so important to understand, cannot be achieved by trying harder. And I often find myself when I'm praying, I, 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 Lord, help me to do better. Help me to get better. And I forget to say, Lord, help me to submit to you so that you can work through me to do the things that you want to do. And that's why God is calling all of us to pray. And when you pray, you begin to relinquish your own will. You begin to worship. You begin to connect with the God of the universe. You, you, you get in touch with your, your deep depravity and your desperate need for the gospel. And then something wonderful happens. You become acutely aware of your need for God's grace. And in order to be an effective disciple within the kingdom of Christ, that's what it's all about. It's about grace. It, it's about His power that will help you pursue Him. And that comes through prayer and an understanding of who He is. Now here's a warning. Please don't see these words, ask and it will be given to you, as an assurance that your laundry list of wants will be answered by God. God is not a ship shopper. He is not over at Target right now, fulfilling your order. But what he is saying is that if you ask for the things that I want, if you pray for like-mindedness and righteousness, then your prayers will be answered every time. Now here's what I'm not saying, and it's really important that you hear this as well. I'm not saying that you shouldn't petition God for the things that are on your heart. When Jesus taught us about the Lord's Prayer earlier in our study, we learned that we are to ask each day for our daily bread. And that means we can go to God with what's on our heart and our, for our friends and, and for our family and these different things that are important to us. And, and that's perfectly legitimate and it's important. But at the end of the day, what Jesus is saying in this particular context is, is I want you to pray for righteousness. I want you to be different. I want you to be like me. Because this kingdom that I'm inaugurating is different than anything you've ever experienced. It's not like the Pharisees. The Pharisees had all kinds of rules and baggage, and they were all about shame and guilt and kicking you out of the synagogue if you did something wrong. That's not the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of Christ is about grace. The kingdom of Christ is about the gospel, and the gospel leads to righteousness. And so that's why this is so important. But the words in verse 7, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open, mean that the answer to that will be 100% yes every time when you're praying for righteousness. Now, it may not happen overnight. It can be a lifelong journey, but this is where Jesus is directing us. And then what happens is you have a sweet communion with God, you can operate with joy, and you can be effective. And this then leads to a burning passion for the things of God, and the things of the world begin to kind of fade back into the distance. But none of this happens overnight. So here's the next point. Be persistent and don't give up. Because sometimes this takes a lifetime to develop a mindset of Christ. In, in verse 1, these words are all in the present tense. So we are to keep on asking. We are to keep on seeking. We are to keep on knocking. And God welcomes that. 
He's not sick of it. Sometimes I pray for the same things over and over, and I think, God, you must be so tired of this prayer. And he says, no, I like it. I love having a relationship with you. And he wants us to keep on praying. And it's this kind of persistence that Jesus is after. This isn't a cold, kind of pious prayer. This is one that's born out of passion in our hearts. And then it leads to humility. It leads to the kind of righteousness that Jesus is looking for. Now, here's the thing. We live in a fallen world. And our world has been decimated by sin. And so it's just really difficult to pray. It's hard to find the time. It's hard to stay focused. It's hard to want to get there. And so sometimes we say, you know, I don't really need to pray today. I'm good. And we begin to fall into the trap that we actually can do this with our own righteousness. Yeah, I can get through today. I can do this. And we forget that we are in desperate need of the gospel. We also then trade in our passion for Christ with the passion for things of this world. And our righteousness is dwarfed by the passions of the world like popularity and the quest for respect and the, and the, the, the worry about our health and the desire for comfort. And in our culture especially, to be politically right seems to be many times more important than our passion for Christ. I hear far more conversation around my sphere of influence about how politics are going rather than how we're going to reach the world for Christ. And we have traded in our passion, I believe, at times for Christ and replaced it with politics. We get caught up in material things. And all of this happens because we forget that we are in desperate need of what God brings to the table. We have nothing to bring on our own. And a real disciple of Christ, a true disciple of Christ, is absolutely consumed with the things of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have things you enjoy in this world. That's not at all what Jesus is saying. Jesus never once said it's wrong to have money. He said never once said it's wrong to enjoy life. But he's trying to put our priorities in order. And so the priorities here mean that God enthralls you. The passion for God drives you. And then you have this communion with Christ that's amazing and beautiful. But it all happens when you pray. Jesus is asking you to pray that your heart aligns with his heart. And be persistent because this happens over a long period of time. But when you get there, when your will aligns with his, then you'll get a yes every single time. So maybe you're here this morning and you're really struggling with something. Maybe there's a hardship, and you've been praying about this and praying about this, and your heart is heavy, and God seems to be off in the distance somewhere, and you wonder if he's even involved with your life. Well, here's how I want to encourage you. Keep seeking, and God will make himself known to you. Keep seeking. Remember that present tense. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. And then God will come to the table. He will show up. And really, when Jesus is talking about seeking in this context, he's talking about kind of a broad vision of where we are headed as a human being. What is our direction? What do we want out of life? What are we hoping for? And that's what Jesus is addressing here. And what he's trying to direct us toward is a biblical worldview, the worldview that God has. 
And that worldview would include seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. And in Matthew 6, 32 and 33, there's kind of a stunning statement. Matthew says pagans seek after other things. And so at some point, we have to make a choice because the two don't go together. When we're seeking the things of God, we're seeking things above. In Colossians 3, 1, where Christ is seated at the right hand of his Father. We're seeking the purpose of life, which is a relationship with God. And in Matthew 13, that's the pearl of great price. And ultimately, we're, we're seeking to be saved. We're seeking to be reconciled. But once we are saved, then we begin to be transformed and seek the things of God, the right things, the things of God's kingdom. And then what happens, Jeremiah wrote this about this whole thing, and it's, it's really important that we understand this that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so when we are seeking God, he will make himself known to you. And you can depend on that. And Jeremiah makes that really clear. So keep on seeking kingdom values, and God will show up. And then he tells us this, keep on knocking, and you will find God to be trustworthy. And, And sometimes... That's even hard to do because God doesn't seem always involved. And we go through these times in life where we're in these deep valleys. But here is a promise. Now this word knock has all kinds of different meanings to it, but in this context it means to simply knock on a door, but with the expectation that the door is going to be opened. The trust that God will be there to open the door for you. And Jesus proclaims such in verse 8. If you look at verse 8 with me, you see this. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. So the, the context here suggests that prayer is the method by which we obtain God's blessings. It's how the door is opened and God answers. And it's hard work to pray because this is all really countercultural. It's, it's not a normal thing. Like we have, to, we have to pray for discipline and we have to make ourselves have a place where we meet God. And we have to, for better or for worse, we have to just make ourselves do it. But even that is a matter of prayer. Lord, help me to have a thirst for you. And the more you pray, the more you'll find him to be trustworthy. The more you seek him, the more you'll be like him. And if you truly believe the biblical view of sin, and I think sometimes we have put this aside in our theology as quote-unquote evangelicals, and that is this, that sin has wrought destruction in our world. That sin has marred God's image. Not stolen it, but marred it. And when we understand that, then that drives us to our knees in prayer. And when we understand that we are only here because of God's grace, then we're not praying for luxury. We're not praying for comfort. We're not praying for ease of life. We're praying that God would continue to work inside of us because we don't deserve it. And sin has made it impossible for us to touch our own righteousness. That's all about God. In Galatians 5.17, this is what Paul said, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
And so you can see that there's this tremendous battle going on inside of us. And each of us desperately needs him. So when you ask, when you seek, when you knock, that humility will lead you to a new understanding that it's really all about God in your life and you really have nothing outside of him. And in here, that leads to this point. When you pray, the, the Father is pleased to answer you. And you know, sometimes when, when I pray at least, I have this idea that God is kind of standing there and he's going, you know, Paul, you know, we've talked about this before, Paul, and I don't really like you that much because, you know, you keep doing the same things over and over, so, you know, I'm not going to answer you. I'm not going to say yes. And that's probably not just me thinking that. And if you look here at verses 9 through 11, you see a different view of God. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who seek him? Now, when we studied the Lord's Prayer a couple of weeks ago, we saw this terminology, our Father. And he gives good gifts to his children. And verse 11 makes that clear. How much more will your Father give good things to those who ask him? So, Not only am I wrong to be thinking that God isn't going to answer because he's mad at me or something. No, I'm I'm missing the fact that he desires to give me these things. He desires to give me righteousness. And here's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying that no decent father would give his son a stone instead of a round loaf of bread. In those days, the, the bread would have been this kind of round loaf, and it actually looked like a rock or a stone, and they would have gotten that contrast. Or a snake instead of a fish. There are similarities there, especially this stuff they pull out of the Sea of Galilee. They call it St. Peter's fish. It is absolutely disgusting looking. And then they pull you to these tourist restaurants, and they put it out there, and you go like, I'm not having that. I ordered chicken. The problem is, I never know if they're serving chicken or not either. But... You see, there's, a, there's another contrast here, snake and fish. Why would God give you a snake instead of a fish? And so if a, if a father with an evil earthly nature still takes care of his children, how much more will your righteous heavenly father give you the desires of your heart when your will is aligned with his? And sadly, many of us have a hard time even believing that we are God's child and that he's pleased with us and that he loves us. But that's clearly in the text here. And praying for righteousness can increase your confidence in God's love. So here's how we operate in his kingdom. We pray persistently, we pray humbly, and we seek the things of God. So here are a couple of takeaways for you before we go. And this this is a question that we have to answer first. And that is, what am I seeking in life. Generally speaking, what what are my goals? What do I really want? Am I playing church? Do I just show up because I feel less guilty? Am I involved with relationships because I just want to make others happy? Or do I really, really want to pursue Christ? Matthew 7, 7 lays out the pathway. And it tells us so clearly that will be given righteousness when we seek it and when we persistently seek it. And that's a great promise because as an individual, then 
I don't want to just pray for my pleasure or comfort anymore. I'm not as concerned about that as I am. What will my legacy be? Am I aligned with God? Yesterday, we spent the day, my 97-year-old uncle is moving to a different apartment, and so we, we, we went into his place, and we dug out all of his papers and tried to organize everything. And everywhere I looked, Scripture, prayer lists, Bible study fellowship on legal pads from 20 years ago, all, everywhere. What a legacy. See, he had decided what kind of man he was going to be. He was going to seek the things of God, and he's still seeking that today at almost 97 years old, and God is still transforming him. And so then we become like Christ. And as a church, we have to make the same decision because we have to know where we're headed. Are, are we really concerned about our own comfort, our own traditions, our own way of doing things, or are we really concerned about the people that live in that radius? that don't yet know Christ, who pandemic or not are still making decisions for heaven or hell. So who are we going to be as a church? And who is that one going to be in our lives? So what am I seeking in life? And then secondly, the question that comes up here is this. Through consistent prayer, I will learn to seek the right things. So will I pray consistently? Am I willing to put the time in? Am I willing to invest Because at some point, you're going to have to make a choice to seek him or to seek the things of the world because they don't go together. And when when cultural values and kingdom values clash, then that investment is when you, you really know if it's paying off or not. So learn to pray consistently and persistently. And here are some things about the church I would love you to pray for, if you wouldn't mind. First of all, I would love you to pray for more souls saved at Ridgewood Church. You know, we have, we've been in the midst of this weird time. We're all wearing masks. We've got about 60% of the normal amount of people here. But that shouldn't stop us from doing the things that God has called us to do. So pray for souls saved. Pray for disciples made so that they can grow and reproduce. And if you could pray for our finances, I'll just throw a number out to you. We need about $29,000 per week to make our budget. So pray for that number. Nothing wrong with being specific. And then pray for growth, pray for joy, and pray for unity. Because what Satan's going to do in the next years as the church grapples with this new reality we live in in this culture, is he's going to try to tear us apart. And I believe the virus, masks, all the different views in the virus, that's his first ploy. I'm going to tear you people apart, so we need to pray for unity. And here's the thing. A true disciple of Jesus prays and represents something that is different than what the world is going to see. And knows that prayer is effective. And thirsts to be in connection with God. And that's what I want for you. I want you to find the joy and peace of living in Christ's kingdom. Because it is so satisfying and so rewarding. Why don't you stand? I'd like to pray over you before you go this morning. And don't forget as you leave to think about that one. And just write that name on those walls. God, I just pray that you would... Just be with each person in this beautiful flock here at Ridgewood Church that you brought together at this time for this reason. God, I pray as a group that we would make it a point to go and seek you, to seek the things that are important to you, to tell others about you, to, to look around our sphere of influences and to say, yes, I can, I can go get that one. I, I can tell that one. And then as we make decisions based on our future, we can say, 
this is about Christ or isn't it about Christ? Because it only matters if it's really about building the kingdom. And I pray for joy, I pray for peace, and I pray for unity, God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.